Hey, my name is Robert Wilkerson. I'm the defensive line coach at, and strength coach at Demopolis High School, and you're listening to Rebuke. This is Laron White, head football coach at Spartan High School, and you're listening to Rebuke. Hey everyone, this is the realest man in Huntsville, and you're now listening to Rebuke. Hey, this is the now the 11th episode of Rebuke, and we have a great topic to discuss. Before we go into the the topic, I'd like to thank everyone for supporting me and sharing my podcast with their family and friends. And I truly appreciate the the love and the encouragement words for me to continue doing this podcast. Uh, also, you can support me by providing. Uh, monetary funds by going to cash app and giving giving some money or you know, small donation it don't matter the size or it could be a dollar it could be a, a thousand dollars to dollar sign rebuke r-e-b-u-k-e-e zero six that's dollar sign rebuke spelled out r-e-b-u-k-e-e zero six uh the, the donations are uh, truly appreciated, and it will go towards paying my engineer, which is uh, very expensive, and other things. So, uh, once again, I appreciate that, and now we're going to get into the show. No further ado, we're going to head and dive into this topic that I, I think is very important in the black community because we all, we, we constantly talk about it in the barbershops. We're talking in, about it in our family households around Thanksgiving and around Super Bowl or in, uh, and all that nature. So I think it's, 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 it's very appropriate after the football season to, to tackle this right now. Um, and after doing some research, I found out about, you know, about 70% of the NFL players are African, African-American, but only we have three black head coaches. And out of 64 offensive positions, when I mean offensive positions, I'm talking about quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, uh, there's only five minorities that fit that bill. Now, now we go to the NCAA. Out of approximately 130 30 schools, only 13 of them have black head coaches. And some of y'all might be thinking, like, Marcus, this is a little bit different from other topics you talk about and what this got to do with, you know, the black community. It has a lot to do with the black community because we were about to tackle about talk about and tackle systematic racism when it comes to coaching our, our, our young men in the, in the pro level and the collegiate level. So the t- topic today is good enough to play but not good enough to lead. So uh, I'm th- I'd like to give thanks for the guests that's on the show. We got Coach Wilkerson uh, representing Demopolis High School, and we got Coach White representing Spartman High School. So thank you for y'all being on the show. Glad to be here. We're glad to be there. All right, man, I'm going to go ahead and uh, – Go ahead and tap, go ahead and dive into it. Is the I'm going to ask you, Coach White, is the lack of black coaches in the NFL in, in NCAA football a big problem, uh, or as we as a people, we over exaggerating, or we take it too serious? <laughs> since we got, since we know we make majority on the uh, the players in the on the field. Well, no, it's not. It's no over exaggeration. You know, it just depends on uh, what area you're in and. Who cares about it or not? You know, most people, you know, most of my uh, aunts and uncles, you know, that age group, they are they're aware of the situation and going on now. You find some of the younger people, uh, they really don't have a concern about it. You know, so it's kind of it's kind of a generation gap. But I think it needs to be more, you know, black coaches at both levels. It's a lot of qualified guys up out there. They're just a uh, Generation gap difference. Okay. Hey, Coach uh, Wilkerson, and I know me and you, we go back. Uh, if we, we went to college together, 
and I've seen you on the football field. I've seen you practice across the street from the dormitory at the University of North Alabama. And I know you've been adamant and very vocal on this on social media. So uh, what's your view on it? Are we uh, or uh, is this a big problem or are we over overreacting uh, and should be just satisfied from just playing? No, I think it's not an overreaction. And the reason I say that is because we do need more representation in the head coaching and the coordinator positions on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I've discussed this with players before, not players, but friends before about the whole push to defense and not offense. And that's normally like the fast track to get to that position is to be an offense coordinator or be an offensive or receiver coach or something like that. You know, we don't really get pushed in those areas where a lot of times, and this schools I've worked at, the fast track for our track is different. Like, we don't, how can I put it? It takes us a little longer to get to the next step okay. than some guys. And I can put it that way because, and it's not really a systematic racism thing. It's more of the comfort level. When a coach hires a, a, coach, a young coach, like he hired a young defensive coach like me, he puts me on defense. And he hires a young offensive coach, he might be white, he puts him on offense, and that dude's automatically fast track because he's the one calling the plays. He's the one looked at to make the next, next call in practice. He's given the assistant head coaching job a lot of times. Whereas for me, I'm the strength coach and pretty much put into a position of being the disciplinarian. I don't really get to do the paperwork side of it. And that's from my end. Now, that's a little different, but I, that's how my experience has been over my years. Like most places, I'm more the strength coach, disciplinarian, defensive line guy, whereas other guys get put in a position where they're the coordinators or the guys that get to call the plays on offense or defense and get fast-tracked to that next level. All right. Coach Wickerson, uh Wilkerson, uh, what are the hardships that you have faced trying to get the coaching position of your of your liking of quote unquote defensive coordinator or or even the defensive line coach and being a and being a black coach on the high school level? Well, in my in my experience, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've been a coordinator once, and that was for four years. And a lot of times the schools I worked at, we did have black defense coordinators. Like, I, I can say that except for one or two. And uh, it's been more of a difficult step taking the next step. A lot of times, and that comes from my position, though. Most people won't come high secondary guys and be defense coordinators. They're not comfortable behind defensive line guys. And that could be different in some places, but that's been a lot of my issue. My issue hasn't been the defense side about being a coordinator. I have an issue watching young guys, like, on the offense side of the ball. They get fast-tracked to the position of being an offense coordinator. And us defensive guys, which most of like your brothers, we're sitting there looking down like, how in the world are you getting this job at 22 and 23? And I've been doing this for 15 years. And they'll get fired and still get another position at a coordinator position. They'll keep getting those positions. Whereas, like, for me, it's been like, if I move on, I have to take the lateral move or take a step back. Having them here in the mouth was I called the plays in the spring and did a really good I, I feel like I did a decent job new defense, but he went another direction in the defense coordinator. Mm. Like he he pretty much brought me in saying, I'm gonna let you call the plays on defense and then in the summer it all changed. Changed the whole story. Now I still like the guy, he's a great coach. But I you know, I did feel some kind of way about that only because of how it was spent that I was coming in to be the D C. Okay, who so. uh, uh, can I ask a quick question? What color is your DC though? He's white. Okay. So he's he's been there, he's been there, like the thing was he's been here a long time, but he never had called defense. But he was made he was promoted to promote the defense coordinator. But he had been here a long time. See, one thing was he wanted somebody to come in that knew the kids. But when it came down to it, me and the other me and the DB told were both on one defense coordinator experience on the staff, like play calling in the game adjustments in the game and things of that nature. And on my end, I was kind of like, I'm, I'm a team guy. So I was like, you know, whatever's best for our team, we made a great run that year. But at the same time, it was kind of like, wow, you know, I was led to believe that I was going to be a D.C. when I came in. And then it all changed when we, when once I got hired. Okay. Gotcha. Coach, uh, Coach White, uh, I know you was doing your bio. You was a, a head coach at, pre, at a previous high school, I believe, was it Tanner? Tanner. Tanner and you won some uh, some uh, championships there and um, it is Black History Month and 
and I find it ironic that I believe your brother has taken the job at Bob Jones. Yes, sir. So it's a Black History Month in in Madison County where you have two blood brothers uh, being head coaches at two arch rivals. <laughs> so, so that's a beautiful thing. So I just want to clap, give you a clap for that. But uh, what are your hardships, and what are your hardships? Not if you don't, if you won't have any hardships. What hardships you have witnessed seeing other African American men, or even in this in this new uh, era, women trying to break the mold and excel in high higher up uh, positions at the high school level, even your experience talking to your friends in the college level and or NFL level. Yeah, with me, uh, I was I was blessed. You know, I was blessed enough. College to work for a coach who was well respected. You know, my dad coached for years. He was a Hall of Fame coach. He, he was very well respected too. So, um, when I got the opportunity to take the job at Tanner, one thing you have to do as a young coach, young black, you can't be afraid to go down. A lot of guys who want to coach six A and five A. You know, I was a six A coach at Decatur High School as an assistant. I didn't mind going down to a two-way Tanner, who were who was kind of down at the time. You know, was having a so-so uh, season in football year in year out. But I wasn't afraid to move down and work my way back up into doing something special. And I didn't you know I did. When I took the job at Spartman, I remember one of the guys came by recruiting. And he was a black guy. He said, he he told me. He said, you know, you got to make this work. Know for us, exactly. You know, and I, I kind of, I kind of thought about that. You know, I like well, that's a lot of pressure. It but is. It is. When we get a chance to get up there, me and my brother and some other guys, <clears throat> we have to make it work. We have to do a good job. We got to, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's. You got to be professional. You got to do everything right in order to uh, give the young guys a chance to to move up. Now I know a lot of guys. Uh, take jobs. You know, Birmingham cities, a lot of city schools, those guys had opportunity to uh, get jobs. But it is harder for some of my friends to get jobs at other schools because of mainly relationships. You know, you got a principal or AD. You know, not necessarily they don't want to have a black coach. They might have one of their friends or ex-coaches or ex-players they hire in that spot because they're comfortable with them. Sound like the good buddy system. Yeah, it is. Old boy system. It is. Not everywhere, mm -hmm. but majority of the places it is. Okay. So, and Robert, what is yeah. your view on the Rooney rule in the NFL? I'm to, to explain to everybody that's not uh, uh, familiar with the Rooney Rule, the Rooney Rule was uh, was developed by the Pittsburgh Steelers owner, um, giving minorities, particularly African American uh, men, the opportunity to get uh, head head coach jobs at in the NFL. But it seems it reminds me of kind of of a scratch. Scratch the you know check the box make sure I don't get sued uh, <laughs> process instead of a legitimately uh, hiring a qualified black person. So you think it's legit or it really is a joke? Uh, that that to me is kind of sketchy because like I don't think it's a joke, but it's turning into that now because it's turning into that. Let's just check a box. You know if you're going to interview somebody. Like Coach White, if he's going to interview for a job, don't say, "Hey, Coach, why don't you come in and just do a token interview?" Bring, you know, bring me in and give me an actual shot. That's the issue I have with it now is that these they're not getting an actual shot to show what they can do. And when they do, you know, like we're not getting a shot at a Cowboys job, which Cowboys, you know, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but it's one of the premier uh, programs in the league. And so they went with somebody else. But they brought Marvin Lewis in. You know, hey, come in and interview, but they didn't give him a shot. You know, and that's the thing that I have with it. If you're going to interview a guy, don't waste his time. I'd rather you not interview me than just call me up for an interview. And then, you know, when people come back, like uh, 
and talk about Eric Bellamy at Kansas City, and they were talking about, well, he never called plays. Well, Doug Peterson never called plays. So that's what makes it look kind of sketchy to me. If you're an OC for Andy Reid, Andy Reid always called the plays. But two of his OCs got head coaching jobs. Well, Bellamy has to work twice hard to try to get the job. You know, he got Super Bowl rings. He's done everything he's supposed to do. He should get a shot. I agree. Agree. What about you, Coach White? Yeah, I think um, I don't think it's as effective as it was when it first started. Um, like I said, sometimes they check the boxes, but also it give, it gives guys a chance to get in front of that owner, in front of that organization. You know, maybe you might not be the first choice this time, but maybe they can put your name in the file and next time something come open or uh, somebody called about, you know, a good a good exceptional black coach who who's looking for a head job. It might happen that way. You know, I, I want the rule to stay, but I agree with a coach <laughs> that I don't think it's as effective anymore. You know, they bring them in and they'll probably have a hard they probably have a hard time getting guys to even come in to interview for that job. And you know most of the times even even in high school, college, you know when a guy, you know when a guy wants to hire you. You know, if you mm-hmm. most of the time you get a job, it's not because of your resume. It's because of somebody that called and gave you good work. So Okay. So there, there is it's so no, so it's, I like to keep it but I don't think it's effective. I don't think I don't think it's good for it is to get you some experience and get in front of a good interview process and hopefully, you know, Put your name back. If you don't get it, they can call you at a later date. Think about it as a positive. Okay. And, and Robert, if you want to add anything, just don't, don't don't hesitate. Just let me know, man. Uh, okay. Well, you know, like the coach is right. You know, like in high school, college, pro, all of that. It kind of you know when somebody wants to hire you as an assistant, as a being a head coach, being at be working in schools like Selma. You know, it, it, it's the same buddy system a lot of times. But like Coach said, like all my thing is that sometimes we have to coach, out coach other coaches. Like you know, that that's the difference. Like we have to prove sometimes that we can actually coach. Like you know, I get to and Coach might be able to tell you this. When I work working at working at certain at Demopolis, working at certain schools, they look down on other schools and don't think that coaches there can coach. Yeah. And it's like, but they've won 10, 11 games. I can tell you from experience, I know, I have coaches that I work with that re, that revere private schools over public schools just because who the head coach is and what it looked like. Like that, and like you know, when when you're in those meetings, you're in those team meetings, it's kind of like I was like, but that coach got a state championship ring. He has over 200 wins. So what's 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 his what's making you think that he can't coach football? Well, let me and I. I heard that before and I've been around that before you know most of the time you know somebody made a comment to me one time and I you know through the through the friend of mine you know they, they, I don't think you realize what you're saying it's, you know I had one I had one a state championship at, at Tanner they had some good players you know you got to have good players to win yeah I agree you know he made a comment well, see what you gonna, oh yeah see what you gonna do if you, if all them guys gone you know that's that's kind of like a slap you know only winning because we have good athletes. But everybody who wins the state championship got some good players on the field. So I, you know, this is old myth, you know, back when the uh, 80s and early 90s, the most black coaches and black teams, they're going to they gonna run the call sweep. They're going to blitz a lot when they get in trouble. When all that fails, blitz. So my first well, I never heard that stereotype. So that's yeah, the stereotype. That's, that was the old stereotype. Oh yeah. So black team, black teams, majority that were headed by black head coaches, they look like to run toss sweeps run toss and, sweep. and and throw and throw the kitchen sink on defense. I run everybody and just swarm on defense. I don't, you know, no scheme, just go get them. Mm. So or we don't, or, or our defense are not, or our team's not disciplined. Like they say stuff like, oh, "There's been I've said the coaches sitting in the room heard it before." You hear them say, well, they're not as disciplined as we are. They're not as well coached. You know, look at him, dude, because, you know, our our kids, we, we, we like to wear stuff. We like to talk. We like to run around. We like to, you know, hype up a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and the difference is, like, when you sitting there here and talking about, well, they're not coached up. They're not undisciplined. I was like, how are they undisciplined? They're still making plays. That kid's a five-star athlete. I'm like, you got to coach the kid. You got to understand who you, what kid you're working with. Like, you know, that's the difference a lot of times that I've, that I've seen, especially with the private school mentality coach that come to public. They're using those kids that kind of just walk the line and this is the way it is when it's not. Yeah. And instead of coaching the kid and getting and getting on and knowing what the kid's about and knowing the kid's personality, they want the kids to fall in line in this way. And so when they watch film and they see another team that doesn't do that, and they're like, Well, they're on this one. No, they're not. They're coached up. The kids are having fun. This is this is these are the kids. These are kids that you see every day. These are our kids. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's just you gotta sit there and understand that <clears throat> we we get a team like you know they talk about undisciplined coach coaches probably explain a lot like in that one of your questions we might coach at a school where they've had five or six different head coaches in a five or six year span and it's not a tradition there and you trying to come in and build a a program and bring in tradition and try to change old mentalities of how to do things because every time they used to they used to instability. And so a lot of times we have to come in and fix a program okay. or try to bring our own philosophy. Oh, yeah. You bleeding into the next question. We wouldn't stop you right there, Robert. <laughs> but uh, let me go ahead and go to the next question. Um, based on based on your experience, coaches, uh, what why do you think that African-Americans have a hard time obtaining head coaching positions at predominantly white, inst- white colleges and in the NFL? Uh, I'm going to start with Coach White. Mm, I don't think I don't think it's anything as far as intelligence or it just it just goes back to. Do you think the stereotype of lack of intelligence play a part in it, though? Ah, uh, you know some of the some of the older some of the some people might think that. Yeah, I agree with that. You might think that, but. All of them don't, but you got a guy, you know, you have an owner who, who has, who's, we're talking about the NFL now. Yeah. Right. Okay. Owner who, who, who has organization spending millions and millions of dollars. You know, he might not be comfortable with, with somebody uh, that he grew up not being around. He grew up not going to school with, you know, and, and he's in high school and in college and he grew up not having friends of that, you know, close friends of the black race. It, 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 is, it is a mindset from the owner sometimes, and it's hard to, you know, that'd be hard to get by. So it has a little bit to do with everything. Uh, but intelligence, man, you know, coaches, coaching is coaching. You know, once you once you start coaching, mm-hmm. it's all about the X's and O's and getting the guys to play hard for you. So intelligence has, has you know, it, it has nothing to do with it, but I can see what owner would, 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 would think that. Okay. Well, what about your view on in the college level? Well, same thing. The college level, I think it has to do with word of mouth. You know, like Coach said earlier, most offensive guys get get the shot. You know, you, if you can go, go be a coordinator and you score a lot of points and you get hot for two years, you're going to probably fast track to a – Head coach job. Head job, job. You know, you take uh, Chip Lindsey at Troy, Troy University. Okay. You know, me and Chip played again. We we coached him. I was at Tanner back in 2006 or seven. He was at Carver Heights, you know, a small 2A school in Tuscaloosa. First year head coach. Chip Kelly. Uh, Chip Lindsey. Chip Lindsey. Yeah. He was my head. He was my coach at Spartman. But go ahead. Yeah, he was there at Spartman. You know, like this. Now he's the guy. He went to Hoover, assistant coach, and he, you know, been at Auburn. You know, he just felt a fast track. You know, just in the right system. You know, he was he was part of the Hal Marvin system. You know, so those guys were known for scoring points, and you know, and he look where he at now. You know, but you know, Chip works hard, and he just had an opportunity to make things happen. All right. Robert, what do you think the reasons why African-American coaches have a hard time breaking the mold in the NFL and the mold in college football? 
Let me start with uh start well, with the, start with <clears throat> start with college first, and then hit hit me with the NFL. Okay, well college is not really the. If you look at the smaller schools, there's a lot of black coaches. Like you know, at the major Power Five, that's where you run into. You. But a lot of times, like in my case, I talk about Charlie Strong, and I got into a lot of arguments about Charlie Strong because I'm like the dude's. A, I feel like the man was a quality coach. He is, and and he got fired at Texas at Texas at Texas, and it wasn't a winnable situation for him because the main booster didn't want him in the first place. He got the job, but then nobody supported him. Whereas you get somebody like Franklin, James Franklin, he goes to Penn State and doing a great job. You know what I'm saying? We get those opportunities. Or you get a Melvin Tucker who finally gets one, and then they write an article about him talking about this is the reason why college coaches didn't get paid that much. You know, that, that it's like you got good coaches. You got guys that can actually coach. But it's getting into – it's breaking that mold in those power five schools like a Florida or a South Carolina or a Georgia or Auburn or Alabama. It's hard when you got the, the same good old boy system in the in the alumni circle. You know, the guys that pay, they write the checks. Right. And so, like Coach said, you get faster. As a defensive coordinator, it's a lot harder. That's white or black. But it's a lot harder to get fast track because most people want a head coach they can call plays. And people feel like an offensive coach game plan is a little different than defensive game plan. But like Coach was saying, it, you go to these programs and it's like, okay, well, we want to hire you at Mississippi State. Well, you got to come in and be ready to go. You got to be able to coach, bring in players because it's a hard place to win. It's, you know, and uh, let me, once we get two or three years worth, that's it. They they look for us to go ahead and get them, get that over the hump. And people, and fans get impatient regardless. But they become more impatient for some reason when it's us. Like, they be like, well, it's been two years he hasn't turned around. It's been three years he hasn't turned around. Well, it was a mess. It was in sanctions and everything else when I got there. Yeah, it was when disarray. When Charleston went to Texas, it was a complete disarray. And they let him come in, be the bad guy, be the disciplinarian, get on track, and then fire him for the same results again with Tom Harmon because he was fast-tracking the office coordinator position. Had one successful year at uh, – Ohio State, went to Houston, I believe it was, yep. and then went straight to Texas. When Charlie Strong went to Louisville, Louisville had had Bob Petrino. Bob Petrino left the program in a great situation. He went to Arkansas, well, went to NFL in Arkansas, and the school was the school brought him in and wanted him. When he went to South Florida, because I'm a, I'm a Charlie Strong fan, South Florida's a complete disarray. The guy they hired now is probably going to have a hard time. Willie Tiger is a great example to me because Willie Tiger went to Florida. Jimbo Fitch left that cover so dry. I wasn't even funny. Now, was Tiger like, you know, do I think Tiger like this great guru and all of that? No. But he went in a wonderful situation the first place. Yeah. But. Well, so now you're bleeding into my next question then, Robert. <laughs> uh, it, it, it seems like, I'm going ahead and going tackle it. It seems like the NFL and sometimes in college, the black head coaches inherit. A bad situations and Charlie Strong uh, well they had bad situations but their previous jobs were good like Charlie Strong you use for him example he was doing very well at Louisville and to me he got greedy and went to Texas and you, your Taggart he was he had he had a sweet thing in Oregon to me but I don't know why in the hell he wanted to go to Florida State so, um, should black, my next question is: Should black coaches be more highly selective when it comes to these coaching vacancies in college and NFL? Because if you fail, they're gonna be like, "Oh, see, we gave them a chance. Yeah. We gave y'all a chance. Y'all keep y'all crying, <laughs> and we gave you a chance. And see, look what you did." Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, so go ahead, Coach White. He's right. You're right. When uh, you have to be selective. You no, know, you know, if you want a job so bad. Sometimes you, uh, you know, you, you do this. You coach football first. You don't want to be a head coach. You don't. You don't. Sh- you shouldn't coach football. That's one of the things. But we have to be selective. I said we have. To, I didn't. You know, I didn't apply for a job. That, I didn't uh, apply to for a job 14 years until the Spartans job came open. So you know, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm glad I did. But I was very selective. Our community, the people, the players, and those guys have to 
have to do that because I'm pretty sure if you do your research, you do the numbers, once a team, college or pro, uh, a black coach, it's probably going to be a long, long time, you know, before they hire another one. And you hit on the subject is sometimes it's to appease, appease the, the people, you know. And uh, some of them are on a short leash. They don't, get, they don't give enough time. You know, I think you should have at least uh, four or five years to get your recruiting class in place. Now, most of those guys win with other people's teams, like Tony Dungy. You know, he built the Buccaneers. Right. You know, and that, and that, 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 that Super Bowl team was Tony Dungy's people. You know, so they just didn't give him enough time to make it work. So, yeah, you got to be selective. You got to be smart and just wait for your opportunity. Hey, Robert, go ahead. You know, I think a good coach is right. You know, like you have to be smart and wait for your opportunity. Especially, like, you know, in the pros, I think the contract no longer the same. It's like no pro team just pays more than the other like that, like it will in college. But in the pros, to me, it's kind of like you know exactly what you get into. Like Jim Caldwell was the only coach they ever won in Detroit. They let him go. Just because they said they had high expectations that they won somebody from the Belichick team. I think Brian Ford's gonna do a great job down in Miami if Miami if Miami leaves him alone. That's the thing, like, you know, even in college, if they were, if, our, if we are left alone to be able to build our, the build a culture, we like Tony Dungy built a culture. He built the culture with Tampa Bay. He built the culture with uh, Minneapolis. Yep. A, a culture. That's the whole thing. We, uh, Tomlin at the Steelers has built the culture. He fits the culture. And you hear Pittsburgh Steelers fans saying he need to go. I'm like, but who you going to put in there Like put in there to build that culture? This man dealt with that, dealt with that Tony O'Brown for God know how long what he was going through. <laughs> you, know, you know, but that man's a saint in my, my, my eye. But, you know, that's the thing. We, not, we have to be able to build a culture. That's the thing with Charlie Strong. If you let him build a culture like Nick Saban gets at Alabama, and you say, okay, I'm going to give the resources to recruit the best players you can recruit. I'm going to build the, build the facility and give you everything you can. And we're going to let you sit here and build your culture. You can't build that culture in two or three years. Coach White can tell you that. You, it, it takes at least four years in college to build a culture, to get your recruits in, to bring guys in. High school is different because you have to coach what you have. But you still have to change the mentality of the kids. And you got to change the middle school kids before you can change the high school kids. And you got to let that culture come in and build like he had to do at Tanner, like he's doing at Spartan. It's like you have to keep that culture. The kids know when they walk in, this is what coach is going to be. That's the thing with the, being at the mouth is tradition. They, they, they feel like we're going to win every time we step on the field. And it's expected. But at the same token, as much as I love working in the Mopples, there are things in the Mopples that I see in that good boy, that good boy system. Mm. You know, because we can coach basketball, but we can't be the head football coach. And I guarantee you, Coach White can come out here and win, and win, win a state championship like that at the Mopples High School. And I love who I work for. Brian Seymour's a great guy. So that's not, let's not get it twisted. But I know great coaches, Coach White and his brother, to both come to Marvels and win a championship. But they're not going to sit there. Like, he'll be honest, I don't know if Coach Sigler, but if the Marvels came over, would he apply for the job? Would he feel like he'd be confident to walk in and get the interview? Mm. Because that's the thing that you deal with in the Marvels. Or in the South in general, in a lot of places. You kind of know in the smaller towns whether or not you're going to get the opportunity or not. Right. So you have to be selective. But in the college game, them guys, like, if you're making 97, let's say 975000 at Louisville, and Texas walk in with a $14 million check and a buyout for $21 million, you're going to take that money. <laughs> I got you. I'm sorry. I don't care. Coach up there makes, makes good money. But if Hoover High School walks up in there right now and says, Coach, we're going to pay you $150 to $200,000. Coach going to be thinking about that. <laughs> Hard. <laughs> and he's going to be sitting there thinking, mm, mm. You know, with a buyout, you know, that, that's the thing that, that you don't that people don't get. Those buyouts are what sell coaches. It ain't the contract. If they give you a $21 million buyout, so we fire you, going to pay you $21 million. Okay, I'll go down there. That's what that's what Tyler did. 
Florida State made it to the point where if, even in two or three years, you're going to get paid a lot of money. But does that make it hard for the other black coaches, though, Robert? But see, Florida was not Florida State's not a winner. To me, it's not a situation that anybody was going to be successful in. You could have took a black or white guy or whoever. You could have took anybody put in that situation. Jimbo Fisher drained that program. And Florida State is cheap. They don't want to pay nothing. They don't want to build facilities. They just want to run off of Florida State's name. It's just like I'm not a big Jimbo Fish fan, not because I don't think I don't think he was, I don't think he's that great of a coach. Like I just don't feel like he like he's at Texas and them and got a hundred million dollars out there, but still ain't won the seven games a year. Mm. They could have kept that with Kevin Sumlin. Yep, that's what I'm saying. See, that's that's the thing. If you're gonna fire us or hire somebody, hire somebody that's gonna make the make, take the next step. But Tom Harmon been at Texas three years or four years. I think he's going to his fourth season. When Charlie Strong had the same result, they will have him on the hot seat. But Charlie Strong got to fire his whole staff. Bring, and see, that's another thing. We don't fire our staffs like some people do. Like, I don't know if you remember, Coach John Marie was the D, he was our uh, defensive back coach at UNA. He was like, when he won Charlie Strong, Ace Boone Coon. He did not, he would not fire him. See, those are the kind of things I think people don't get. Like, once we get a job, we're trying to bring other guys up, too. Yeah. Because people might talk about Charles Strong marrying, you know, being married to a, a white woman. But you go look at his staff. He had brothers on his staff that he was trying to build up. He's like, I'm going to keep you and try to develop you. Herman Aaron, same way. Bring in some brothers, build them up, say, y'all can coach. I like him. You know, and, yeah, it's kind of like one of those things where, like I said, you got to be selective. But it's hard when they walk in with a $14 million check and a $21 million buyout. So they say, we want to go in a different race. We're going to pay you $21 million. You ain't got to work the rest of your life. Yeah. Unless you want to. Right. <laughs> gotcha. I gotcha. But that's it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm good. Oh, I was, I was going to add some point. Like, I was I was eating dinner with my father at uh, one of our favorite restaurants, Mango's, the jerk place. And we, was to, and we since we were on the topic of Charlie Strong, and Charlie Strong has joined the University of Alabama staff as an analyst, and I'm ex- I'm elated about the move because my dream before I even cross over to the other side is to see Alabama University of Alabama have a black head coach, and I was like, Dad, when Nick Saban leaves, I think Charlie Strong should get the job, and my dad's <laughs> my dad said, "Ain't no way in hell that University of Alabama ain't gonna let you." going get, get a black coach and I'm like oh, how no. and my dad was like and I was like dad it's 2020 and my dad's like yeah maybe in 2090 <laughs> <laughs> but I and when he said 2090 I was just shook my head but he was just saying yeah this, we have changed but hey, we got a long way to go if for if Alabama to hire a black head coach, that's basically what I'm saying. So basically, I said that to touch on what we've been talking about previously on the show is that it's, it's hard for blacks to break that mold in the NFL and some prestigious black uh, white institutions. Yeah, it is. You know, actually, if you if you go back and do some research, and it's always been said, if if you you know those guys at A&M over there, it's hard for coaches that coach HBCU teams to get into the uh, into the uh, group of five or power five schools. Mm. Almost, if you go back and look at, you know, go to the group of five uh, coaches and power five and look at their resume, there's not many of them that was at HBCU at one time. But most of the time they had to start at the GA at that level, FBS level, FCS level, and then they move up. It's tough for those guys to, and I'm pretty sure all those guys and them want to go coach. Uh, uh, power fives. Power fives. So you have you have a couple over there that used to, but now you know it's hard to get out. They say it's hard. To, you know, sometimes they just, like you say, some of them they don't respect them enough to bring them up, unless you know a guy or have a good relationship with a guy. So that's that's, that's sad, but that's always been a topic of discussion. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna paint a scenario for you, for you all, and for y'all too. And I want y'all to to, to give me y'all honest opinion. Do and Robert, I had this conversation with Robert, and he he alluded to his uh, 
long time ago, but I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to bring it back. Do you believe the reasons why African Americans don't get these jobs is jobs at these colleges in, in the NFL is because mm, and, and, and take take the time to think about this. Uh, we don't want to sacrifice or we're too lazy. So let me paint a picture here. Mm-hmm. We Canton, Ohio has the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of those those people in the Hall of Fame are brothers. So, for example, just use for example, let's use the University at North Alabama, for example. And I'm going to use Ray Lewis, right? I think, he, I think he'd be a great head coach. Yeah. Ray Lewis. I think he'd be a head and. And just say these brothers came together, like, you know what? We gonna we gonna sacrifice. We gonna come together and coach a, a small school, and then we gonna branch out. Ray Lewis as your head coach, Barry Sanders as your running back coach, Deion Sanders as your defensive back coach, uh, uh, Ed Reed as your defensive coordinator. I, you you get what I'm saying? Yeah. All these brothers come together, like, look, man, we we see a problem in college football, and in the NFL. Let's take a small school and dominate and the seed that the world show the world that we can coach and then we can spread all over the world, all over the country and build our own dynasties and, and, and increase that number of African-American coaches in the, NFL, in, in the college football and possibly in the NFL. What's y'all philosophy? Think y'all, y'all, y'all thinking process on that that's crazy for me thinking like that nah, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't it, be crazy but it just those guys you know you have to find you have to find a group of guys that are already coaches you know coaching is a grind is you know you don't you know you at a certain level you're not gonna make a lot of money it's a lot of a lot of time a lot of other factors involved and some of those guys just don't want to put that they're not gonna put that time in that's what that's what the sacrifice comes in sacrifice. yeah it has to be a sacrifice you have some guys who who are former NFL players that they that's what they want to do. They love that. But no, some of those some of the more the prime time type guys, nah, they they're not gonna not gonna do it. Robert. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> like coach like coach like as much as I like Ray Lewis and I like Prime and I DR fans is a coach. Yeah. And Barry Sanders. A lot of these guys, they're passionate and they know the game. But they're not coaches. Okay, yes, okay. Like Coach said, it's a it's a grind. Like there's a like, you know, when you think about like, and it took me when I got into coaching, coach will tell you this too. Playing ball and coaching is totally different. Like when you play, you do it, you go get in shape, and you you know, you try to keep your body in tune to what's going on. Okay. When you're coaching, you say forget trying to be in shape. Your whole thing is looking at film, breaking down the team, finding weakness so that good player can be ready to go. And in a high school level, you got to do the strength and conditioning. You got to teach a class, and you got to do that. You know, and so when it comes down to it, it's more of the like you got to change the top end of the of the spectrum. Like when you go to like a major power five school like Alabama, like you said, like your dad said, twenty nine. The alumni is not that's the that's the thing you have to that we have to branch into. Just like people say in the NFL, we had to branch to the upper offices, like the the general manager. When you see the general manager landscape change and the owner landscape, and like if you can get five or six brothers to be general manager, then you'll see more brothers become head coaches. Mm. Because a lot of times, because they do the hiring, they be a philosophy. Because then you got that network. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because coaching is about network. Like you don't get like if you want to be a prime time coach in a high school level, you have to work with prime. You got to work in prime time programs. You got to network to certain programs for doors to be open. You know if Alabama A and M, UNA, all these schools have great coaches. They can coach on any level. Most of most time they're better coaching the guys that they, they coach D one because like my head my head coach said the best yesterday other day he was like most of your D one guys only have one philosophy. They can't coach outside that philosophy. And so when they go to these schools, that's all they know. He said that's why high school guys are so successful on the pro le- on the high on the college level, because we have to coach so many philosophies. Coach White been in this game long enough to understand. You might coach one place and be running this offense, no, 
next year you got to go another place run a totally different offense or run another defense. And so you have to work with so many different things. But on the college and pro level, it's got to change in the alumni. Like, if you go to Alabama, them, them million-dollar, billion-dollar boosters, they were not us. Alabama does not have a black billion. Like, they might. I don't know. You need to research that. Do they have a black <laughs> billionaire booster? You go to Auburn. Ask that question. Like, that's the thing you have to think of. Like, in Oregon, they're a different mindset. Mm-hmm. But at Alabama and Auburn or, or Georgia or someplace in the deep south, those them people that them names that's in those alumni offices, those folks have been them were people that probably had billions of dollars for four or five years. You know, what I'm saying? it wasn't like they just popped up became new millionaires. These are people that's been around. You know, their their parents were alumni. Their great their grandparents were alumni. Their great grandparents were alumni. These folks have had they have been a certain way and tradition the whole time. And when you look at them schools like that. That's where that's where that that's that thing. It's not the president. It's not that. It's those alumni and the folks that write the big checks. I got you. And so a lot of times they they don't they don't look like this. Like in the NFL, they talk about ownership. It's ownership of general managers. If you get more black general managers, you'll get the opportunity to see more black coaches. Mm-hmm. Now and that that's the you got to get it. The the officers you got to be able to walk in and say, hey, they got to look like me. Our conversation changes then. Yeah, it does. You know what I'm saying? Like, they talked about, somebody made a good point. I think when Marshall Lyle, somebody said, when uh, Matt Rule got the job at the Carolina Panthers, and the owner was like, he, he, they had the same conversation. Like, they grew up the same. And so he was like, I wanted to hire him. You, you kind of, those are kind of things, the same way in high school. Like Coach said, sometimes these, these ADs, stuff, they hire their friends. Shoot, the, you know, a lot of times, most of the guys that they hire best, especially in high school, the guy he hires a friend of his. Went to college together, uh, played, or, or did something together. And a lot of times, those guys, that's where your connections come. And so, you know, it, that that's, that's the thing that has to change. Because you. you can deal with the fan base. The fan base is everywhere the same way. They're going to want you fired if you lose a game, and you can have one thirty games. They're going to want you fired. That fan base is not going to change. You got to make sure that the alumni and people on the top end are patient enough with you and don't, and don't really care about what you look like. You know what I'm saying? But that's the thing you run into. I mean, you got somebody who's 80 years old or 90 years old, somebody who's a major alumni in their mid-70s, they didn't go through a black people. And they definitely go through a black people. Them folks have been rich their whole life. So it kind of Changes the whole mindset. That's the that's why Texas way it was. They weren't working to to, uh, to Charlie Strong. Those alumni didn't want him. They were looking at it. They, he didn't look. He didn't look like a Texas man in their mind. And we know what that means. I got you. I got you. Let me go. I'm gonna go ahead. And, I don't want to. Uh, we can we can talk about this all day. Let me go get this last question in. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with you, Robert. Uh, what advice you want you want to give to an expiring young black man or black woman that's trying to be a head coach on the high school, college, or potentially the NFL one day, but they don't know the, the, the climb that it takes? So what advice would you give, give to them right now based on what you experienced and, and seen? Do your research. And be willing to put in a, put in the long hours. You can't you can't make it a three to five or a three to four job. Like oh not for a six to four like give at six in the morning, go to work at seven, and then walk out of, out the high school at three o'clock. You're not gonna do that. You got to be prepared to come in every day and grind and fight. Just like anything in life. If you're gonna coach, you got you got to be able to understand it's a competition. You're competing against that coach besides you to get to the next position. It's a competition. Even if y'all working together, it's still a competition. Because you're trying to get better. You got to be able to, you know, come in, be humble, learn as much as you can, and develop your philosophy. You know, and once you do those things and you understand that you have to, you go above me, don't just do enough. Do do everything you can that's not going to cross into more, more boundaries. 
You know what I'm saying? And be prepared to grind. Don't 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 try to skip a process, nothing like that. And you'll be just fine. They'll be just fine. All right. Go ahead and end it, Coach White. What advice you would give me if I want to be a head coach? Mm-hmm. What advice would you give me uh, to prepare prepare me for the, the grind and the struggles of being a coach well, on yeah. a high school, college, or potentially NFL? No shortcuts. Like I said, you got you got to put in a lot of hours. You got to know everything from top to bottom. You got to you got to do more than than the average guy. You know, you got to your teams, the, the, the place where you coaching at. If you're assistant, you have to be perfect. You have to, you have to, your guys have to be on point uh, every time they step on the field. You have to go to coaching clinics. You have to dress the part. You need to look professional. You know, you don't need to go in with sweats. You need to go in, you know, dress for success. Because, you know, older older coaches, they pay attention. Say, I pay attention to young black guys when I go to games. You know, and so whenever you're in public or you sing, you got to make people think, you know, you got to make them take a second look. You know, hey, that guy, you know, he's sitting up front, he's taking notes, he's sharp dressed. If you sharp dressed and everything, you professional looking, that speaks a lot. All, all that play, all that comes to play. It may sound crazy, but all, all, it all matters. And when you get your chance, like I said, don't be scared to go down to a smaller school. You know, as long as, they, as long as the situation's right, you know, you just got to go beyond and above. Keep pushing, be professional, know your trade, just keep working. Well, everyone, we, that'll be that's the end of my show. I thank everyone for I uh, thank uh, for Coach Wilkerson and Coach White for coming on and providing their their knowledge and their wisdom in this topic and this topic about uh, being good enough to play but not good enough to leave. And before I leave, I always leave a little. Uh, my, my famous slogan is uh, knowledge is power economic freedom is salvation but if you put the two together you can build a great nation alright thanks everyone that's it for my show once again uh, thanks for the support and if you want to give a monetary donation uh, make sure you go to uh, uh, dollar sign rebuke r-e-b-u-k-e-e that's two e's and zero six to help out with the show once again this is Marcus Jones We're Rebuke, and we out.